This is Cliff Knight from Equippers International. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We want to lift up Jesus and provide a place where you can be taught the truth and encouraged in your relationship with Him. If you find this podcast helpful, feel free to share it with others. We believe it will be a source of blessing and encouragement and that you'll be strengthened in your relationship with Jesus. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Equippers International Podcast. Today is going to be a teaching time. I want to focus our attention on a topic that's near to my heart, and that's the topic of our identity as believers, as Christians. Before I get into today's topic, I just want to say thank you to many of you who have given me some positive feedback and encouragement regarding the podcast. That means an awful lot to me, and I appreciate that. Some of you have mentioned sharing the podcast with other people. If you want to access the podcast and subscribe so you can get notification for new episodes, you can do that on pretty much all the podcasting platforms. The main ones that I know of are Google and Spotify and iTunes. And so you can access that either by searching for Equippers International or my name under Cliff Knipe, and you'll find the podcast there. Today's topic is the topic of identity. I just want to give a call out to a good buddy of mine who has engaged me along this topic and actually requested that I do an episode on identity because it's something that he's been chewing on. So a call out to Oliver Sibley. Appreciate that, Oliver. And uh, here's an answer to your request, and I hope it will be of benefit to other listeners as well. As I develop today's topic, I recognize that it's too much information to deal with in one episode. So I assume this is going to be at least a two-part episode. I can imagine as I look at the content and kind of consider where this topic goes, ultimately, I could believe that it might turn into a multi-episode little mini-series. So let's just see where it goes. There's some other things on my heart as well that I want to get done. I don't want to dump too many episodes onto the podcast trying to do something along the lines of one a week. Uh, So it's going to take us some time. But Stephanie and I also have an episode on our hearts that we're going to probably record this week as well. Yeah, just be taking a look out to the podcast and follow along. So anyway, let's dive into today's topic. I want to talk today about identity. Identity as uh, a topic related to the Christian life is super important. And I think what we're going to do today is we're going to just basically understand the idea of identity, and then we're going to start honing down into an understanding of our Christian identity and why that's important. And then in subsequent episodes, I think we'll start looking at aspects of our identity. But first, we're just going to look today at understanding identity as a concept. Really, identity just primarily has to do with who we are. From a simple dictionary definition, the dictionary defines identity as the fact of being who a person is. Now, there's one thing that jumps out to me in the secular definition of identity is fact. And so it's important that as we look at identity that we're talking about, especially Christian identity, identity as it relates to our Christian life, it's very important, uh, this idea of fact and not information that's not built on truth per se. So, But I'll get into that in just a minute. Let's not get ahead of myself. 
you know, if we look at identity just on a natural level, there's definitely a couple of aspects of our identity that are are real. They're grounded in reality. They're grounded in the facts of our life. For example, we are children of our parents. Uh, we all are here because we have a mother and a father. There's no other way to land up on earth other than having a mother and father. And this is something that we cannot determine for ourselves. It's not something that we can change, although there might be aspects about us being the child of our parents that we're very grateful for and that we love or vice versa. There might be dynamics or or things about our parents and our identity as the child of our specific parents that we necessarily don't like. But we won't get into all that. But the point is, is that our identity is we are a child of two human beings. And so that's our identity. Uh, There's something also that people speak of in relationship to our national identity. So, for example, the country in which you're born is part of your identity. You can't escape that. And so I'm an American. I can't escape that. I've, I've lived overseas for many years and I recognized through some hardship and through some angst in my own process and my own desire to really incarnate into a culture, I realized no matter how hard I tried, I could not be American. I could embrace other cultures and I can enjoy other cultures and I can meet other cultures where they are, but I, I am an American and that's a part of my natural aspect of my identity. So there are fundamental things about who we are that we can and never will change. And we just have to come to peace with that and come to terms with the fact that it's part of our identity. But there's also other things that, unfortunately, if I can put it that way, we gravitate toward to define our identity. Again, I'm just laying some framework and some foundational thoughts first before we get into the idea of really where our true identity lies as children of God and as Christians. Because again, the thrust of everything I do on this podcast is to try to help encourage and establish people into a foundational understanding of who they are in Christ, because I believe that our understanding of this, our belief of this, and ultimately our experience of this is super important, and it's going to inform every area of our lives. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute and what that looks like. But let's talk about some areas that we naturally tend to gravitate toward, and we tend to connect in a false way, unfortunately, our identity and this is not original by any stretch of the imagination, but it's three little things I've heard along the way. I don't really know who they originated with, but they're very insightful little points for us to consider when we talk about identity. A lot of people, including myself, have done this from time to time, and I think some of this will probably resonate true in our own hearts. And the three areas that we often attach our identity to are, one, what we do, Two, what we have, and three, what others think about us. Another way that we could say that is we form our identity around our performance, what we do, our possessions, what we have, and our popularity or our personal opinions that others have about us, what others think about us. And so if we look to these things, we can develop a false sense of identity based on these things. And a false identity does not ultimately serve us well in the actual challenges and interactions that life will throw at us. So as Christians, the most important thing for us is that we know and understand 
our identity as children of God. Before I get into that, let's talk about these little, uh, what we do, what we have, and what people think about us. You know, I'm thinking if you meet a person for the first time, one of the things uh, that happens is there's some kind of conversation that ensues along these lines. We say, hi, my name is Cliff. Hi, my name is Bob. Great. Great to meet you, Bob. If we want to get to know Bob better, then I would ask him maybe questions like, Bob, where are you from? And one of the first questions that comes out of my mouth very soon in the conversation is, Bob, what do you do? Now, it's a very simple question. It's a very innocent question. It's a question of kind of the general getting to know you because you want some idea of where to fit Bob into your framework. But at the end of the day, we begin to get information about Bob and we begin to define Bob in terms of what he does. We may, we may look at Bob and the, the better we get to know him, we may look at, at, at his appearance or if we, if we are around him and his, his setting of life, as we get to know him better, we may look at the things he possesses. We may look at things that people say about him. So we start forming an opinion about Bob that is built around these ideas of what he does and what he has and what people think about him. And we say, this is Bob. But, you know, how different would the conversation go when I engage Bob for the first time and I say, hey, Bob, who are you? Now, if most of us were met with that question early on in a conversation with a stranger or with a new acquaintance, it would be kind of a weird question, you have to admit, for someone to say, hi, who are you? Uh, well, <laughs> How do you answer that question? And I'm not saying this is a question that we should necessarily begin to employ in our interaction with people, but what I'm doing is I'm trying to highlight how different it is if we start processing along the lines of who we are versus what we do and what we have and what people think about us. Because really, who we are hits at a deeper level than these surface areas. Because really, who we are is something that cannot change. See, what, what we do can change. I, I talk to young people a lot when I teach in discipleship schools, and I love being around young people because younger people are usually, and this, is not, this doesn't exempt older people by any stretch of the imagination, but younger people are usually more engaged in this journey of finding self-significance, finding self-worth, finding meaning in life. And a lot of times that they attach that meaning to something that they're going to do, something that ultimately if, if they accomplish their goals and they achieve their dreams that they set out there, then they'll have certain things and they'll, they'll have maybe the approval of other people. And so all this begins to shape some kind of idea and concept of their identity, but I try to drive home to them that we got to be very careful that we don't build our identity around these things because these things are ultimately shifting sand. And what I mean by that is they're ultimately things that will and can change in life. Because look, let's just look at the facts. Most people, just from a simple career standpoint, the statistics tell us that most people will do three or four or five significant different things in life for a career over the course of their lives. You know, we've moved really out of the age of professionalism 
though that's still a phenomenon. People still become doctors and lawyers and, and professional people. But most people move around in different professions and different careers. And so if we base our identity on what we do and we stop doing that thing, then a lot of us can experience some type of identity crisis. You know, a lot of this happens, uh, we call it the notorious midlife crisis. Maybe something happens and a, a person loses their job or their career is shaken in some sphere that they've operated in for a long time and they have to go and they have to learn new tasks and new skills. And so at their very core, their being, they experience a lot of turmoil because their identity has been built around their performance around what they do in life. I think you get where I'm going with this idea. So it's important that we not build the core belief system of our identity around these things that are so quick to change and so quick to move because people's opinion of us can change overnight. The minute we bring a conviction or we say something, people can develop an opinion of us that's contrary to what they had before. And so it's very important that we not be moved around and that our identity be attached to these things. You know, a thought that I have along these lines, if you look at God's being, one of the most classical names we have for God is the name Yahweh. It's the name of God that God breathed out to Moses when he met him at the burning bush. Moses asked him, who are you? And God said, I am. This is the most profound and most foundational statement of who God is, is that he just is. In his very being, he doesn't have anything to prove. He doesn't have any other need to define himself in any other way. Now, we know that by the revelation of Scripture that God does, in his grace, he does define himself to us, and he fills that out in more tangible ways for us to understand. But from a basic core perspective, God is who he is. He is the great I am. He knows who he is at the very core of his being, and then he operates from that place all the time. Everything that God does, he does because of who he is. He always acts in accordance with his identity. So I believe this is one of the most important aspects of our identity is that we understand as Christians that our performance comes out of who we are and not vice versa. So, for example, if we look at Jesus, I just think about uh, the baptism of Jesus when Jesus appears on the scene. And we know Jesus is about 30 years old. We know there's a lot of history that we don't know. We know very little about Jesus's life in those early years. But we do know that when Jesus lands up on the scene to start his public ministry for the very purpose that he was sent to the earth to accomplish, he's baptized. And at that moment, he comes out of the water and there is a voice from heaven that declares, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So the first thing that God does for his son, Jesus, is that he affirms his identity. God does not speak from heaven and say, this guy is going to do all kinds of signs and wonders. He's going to go out and he's going to heal the sick and he's going to raise the dead and he's going to proclaim the kingdom and he's going to die on the cross for your sins. He didn't tell us everything he's going to do. He just confirmed 
and affirmed Jesus's identity. And so as a result, I believe Jesus walked in a complete confidence of who he was, not what he was able or going to do, but he was completely dependent on the Father for all the things that he did. But he knew at all times he was God's son. And as God's son, he could trust the Father and he could look to the Father and know that he could be completely secure and no matter what situation he found himself, because God was going to be there for him. God was going to give him instruction. He was going to simply reflect and do what God was doing. And this is such a beautiful picture of how to walk in identity and not feel like we have to perform And we have to be busy doing things in order to establish our identity. So doing, I say this all the time, doing comes from our being. We don't need to get the order confused. Because when we get the order confused, we start believing that what we do defines who we are. And nothing can be further from the truth if we understand what identity is all about. Identity is all about first being. So we have to know who we are before we ever start trying to do. So let's consider this statement. I believe that we never have to try to do who we are. It will always come naturally. See, I can't try to be my father's son. I may not like aspects about being my father's son. I may love aspects about being my father's son, but that's irrelevant. He may perform a certain way in the relationship and I may perform a certain way in the relationship, but nothing changes the fact that I'm his son. I can't try to act and perform like his son. I just am his son. In the same way, my children cannot act like my children. They just simply are my children. And in the same way, I can't try to be God's son. I simply am his son. And we could go on and on. I can't try to be forgiven. I am forgiven. I can't try to be righteous. I am righteous. I can't try to be justified. I am justified. And the list goes on and on. This is where we're going to, in subsequent episodes, I'm going to unpack some of this for us and try to help us get a hold of some of these very foundational concepts and show us why it's important that we let the truth of identity get deep down into our being. Because if it doesn't, then we we go through life with these false perceptions and these false ways of identifying ourselves in our relationship with God that brings in a lot of confusion. So our identity has to do with all the things that simply are because God has done them and made them to be true. So the thing that makes it true in my life is not my trying, but my believing. The fact is that all the things pertaining to my and your identity as Christians, as children of God, are true. They are things that have already been accomplished. They've already been done. God has declared them to be true. He has accomplished it through the work of Christ on our behalf. And now we have the responsibility of entering into it. So when we consider our identity, first and foremost, our Christian identity is on a spiritual level. 
We need to focus on the things about us that are true according to God's perspective. And God's perspective is always spiritual first. It always originates in his heart, his intention, his plan that he has fully executed through the work of the cross. And then we have to enter in to belief in what God has done and what God says. So when we receive the right information about who we are through what God says about us, it begins to define us. And we know primarily what God says about us through His Word. And the Spirit always confirms the truth in our lives. I love the scripture in John 16, 13, where Jesus says, The Spirit will come, and when He comes, He will lead you into all truth. So we access the truth from a factual standpoint through the scriptures. But the Spirit's job is to take that truth and to lead us into it so that it becomes a framework. It becomes a life-giving context in which we live on a daily basis. And this is a process. You know, I use the illustration sometimes. I know all illustrations break down, but I'm just trying to, to give teaching points that you can kind of hang a thought to. I use the, the illustration of a, a young uh, prince, a young heir to the throne, where the young heir to the throne, because of evildoers and because of people that have some type of plan against the king, they kidnap the young prince at a very early age. Maybe they kidnap him, you know, when he's very young and they take him off to a foreign land and he lives there not as royalty, but he lives as a peasant. He lives as a commoner. He lives as a person who who does not understand that he's actually a prince. And so that the work of these people is to raise the prince in a way that he will never be able to fulfill his role as heir to the throne. So they're trying to subvert the the lineage, the royal lineage of the present king. Ultimately, the king dies, the prince grows up. But at some point in the fairy tale, the prince is rediscovered and people rescue the prince. And now he's a grown, maybe adolescent man or a teenager or older. And they find him and they say, you're the heir to the throne. Now, How much do you believe that this prince who has been raised under the lie of not being the prince, the lie of being a commoner, the lie of being a peasant, the lie of not having royal lineage in his blood, how much do you believe that he is going to believe now the report that he's an heir to the throne? Much less, how much more do we believe he's going to be able to act the part of the heir to the throne. Well, I can assure you it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible. So he has to then undergo a process whereby his belief system in who he is is strengthened to the point that he begins to believe it and that he begins to understand the truth about who he was all along. And see, this is the real deficit that 
all of us operate from, no matter if you became a Christian at a very young age. I became a Christian at a bit of an older age when I was in my early 20s and already lived a lot of life where I'd allowed my identity to be informed by lots of other things other than what the truth is that God says about me. And it's also my conviction that many people, not all Christians, but many people that even grow up in the church or grow up in their Christian life from a very early age, they don't truly understand all that they are in Christ. They don't understand their full identity. And that's why I have a a great passion and a great desire to help the body of Christ come into a fuller understanding that Paul would talk about into that full measure of the stature which belongs to Christ because most of our Christian discipleship teaching stops short. It doesn't fill out the greater picture of really who we are as believers. And so I just want to use that illustration to encourage you in your journey to always remember that the process of transforming our belief system into bringing it into line with the truth is really a lifelong process. It's a process that doesn't ever stop. It's a process in which God is constantly, through His Spirit, leading us into a deeper measure of understanding of who we are. There's a couple other practical general points I want to make about our identity as we begin to access it and begin to understand it on a spiritual level. Uh, And these are in no specific order. They're just things that came to mind. First of all, we need to make sure that we have the right source of information about who we are. Now, you might say, well, that's obvious. Well, for a lot of people, they'd say, yeah, it's obvious. But the real question, maybe I should say, we need to make sure that we access the source on a regular basis. The source is the Word of God. The source is what the revelation that we have in the Word about who God says we are. And we need to access that revelation and that truth on a daily basis. Because, see, the more we access the understanding and the truth about our identity, the more we begin to believe it. And the more we begin to believe it, the more it becomes a reality in our hearts. The more our minds are transformed and the more we come into a reality of that identity. And then what will happen as a natural result is that we'll begin to act differently. We'll begin to respond differently. Our interaction with situations will then come out of a place of who we are. And we won't feel like we're operating from a deficit and feel like we don't have what we need because here's the truth about our identity. God has given us everything that we need in relationship to living life in accordance with his design. Peter says it this way, that he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And Paul says it this way, he's given us everything in the heavenly realms. That is what our what our identity is. And so when we operate from that place, when we interact with circumstances and situations, and I'll get into this in subsequent episodes about identity, it will actually affect the way that we think. It affects the way that we feel in regards to who we are in relationship to things we're going through, relationships we have with people, circumstances we have in life, situations we face on the workplace or in our families or with our friends, even situations on a 
a larger scale, like how we find ourselves interacting with something like a pandemic, how we find ourselves dealing with uh, reports of world events and, and what the future looks like. If our identity is not firmly rooted and grounded in a place that is secure in the truth of God, then these things will surely shake us. They will surely respond in ways less than God would intend for us to be able to. And there's no condemnation in that. There's no judgment in that. But it's God's heart that we move into a place of greater security. Another little thought is that we recognize that our identity is primarily spiritual in nature and not just natural. So again, we have to develop a spiritual perspective. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, toward the end there, he says, we look at the eternal and not the temporal. The things that are natural are temporal. So it's important that we learn to fix our mind, think about spiritual things. Think about things that are eternal. See, things that are eternal are rooted and grounded. They will not be shaken. Things that are temporal and natural will always be changing. They'll always be shifting. So a good rule of thumb, especially in regards to our identity, is what I'm thinking about myself, the view of myself that I am developing, that I'm living out of, is it based on temporal, natural things? Because if it is, we need to really search our hearts, search the Lord and say, God, show me the things that contribute to my spiritual identity. Show me the things that are grounded in eternity that cannot and will not ever change. Because when we build our lives on those things, we develop a secure identity. And then another point, we develop a posture of faith toward God about what he says about us. Let me say that again. We have to learn to develop a posture of faith toward what God says about us. We have to come to a place to where we say, okay, these are the things that I have allowed myself to believe, to look to, to develop my identity. I recognize that those things are feeding a false identity. They are things that are changing. They are things that are insecure. They are things that are always shifting. Therefore, I experience insecurity in my identity. And we have to shift our attention to the facts. This goes all the way back to the very beginning when I defined identity as the facts of being who a person is. So our identity has to be connected and grounded in fact. Another word for that in a spiritual, biblical sense is they have to be grounded in truth because the truth never, ever changes. And the truth will establish us. This is why Jesus says you will know the truth. And when you know the truth, it will set you free. It will put you into a secure place of identity. And the way that we access that truth is through a daily process of faith. A faith is the process by which we access and which we connect to. There's, there's so many so many words I want to use here because I can't emphasize enough the discipline of believing because a lot of us go through our daily life and we quite simply do not practice the process of believing. 
we have to identify the truth and we have to say, okay, today I am going to believe that truth about what God says. And the more we do that, the more we're strengthened, the more identity becomes rooted and grounded inside of us, and the more we begin to live in a secure place. And the more we live in a secure place, the more we understand who we are as God's children and the more peace we experience in God. So how we understand our identity will greatly impact every area First, of our relationship with God, and secondly, our interaction with every situation and every person in life. And so it's incredibly important for us to understand, first, how does identity work? How do we understand, first, what is it? Your identity at the most foundational level is who you believe you are. Who do you believe you are? as a child of God. And so what I want to do, I want to wrap up this episode. I want to leave it at this place. Maybe that's a good question for you to begin to ponder. Who do I believe I am? Go back to my initial illustration of meeting a new person. Let's say you're going somewhere, you're flying on a plane, or you're you're at a function and you meet a new person and you strike up a conversation with them and they come to you initially with this question. Hello, Cliff. Who are you? Consider that question. Who am I? And search the depths of your inner belief system. What do you believe about yourself? Who do you believe you are? As you consider that question, maybe make some notes. Maybe journal with God. Maybe ask the Lord to begin to show you where your identity is built. Without any judgment, without any shame, If there's areas that you recognize that you are gravitating toward, that you have actually connected your identity to, that you recognize as a result of this little teaching that are are natural, they're insecure, they're temporal, they're changing, just ask the Lord to move you to a securer place, to move you to a place of truth-based identity, to begin to give you sources of truth I would encourage you first to get into his word, to get into understanding what God says about you, and then be bold enough, be courageous enough to believe it. Here's one thing for sure, and it's just the practical point as you begin the journey of actually laying hold of things by faith, and it will become more practical in the subsequent episodes as I begin to unpack aspects of our identity, because really, I've just been talking about the general concept of identity and and just building a framework, but what I want to do in subsequent episodes is go into actual elements of our identity, because what will happen is you'll recognize, I've seen this in my own life, is that when you're faced with the truth about what God says or who God says you are, most of the time it will be in conflict with what you've believed in the past. And there's the rub, I call it. There's the process in which you're going to have to shift your faith into the truth. And many times when you do that, it will feel as though you're lying to yourself. It will feel as that the process of actually believing the truth 
sounds like a lie because it's so foreign to our being. But what I want to promise will happen is that the more we engage the truth, the more we allow the Spirit to reveal the truth to us, and the more we say yes, our yes response is faith. The more we do that, the more it will begin to sound, it will begin to resonate with our inner being, a yes and amen. And so I want to encourage you in that process. I just feel, I always feel prompted. I want to pray for us at the end of this session. Lord, I just want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you, Lord, for everyone listening to this episode. Lord, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing to shift people from false identity into your true identity, the identity that you have given them in Christ Jesus. And Lord, as they ponder on these things, I pray that your spirit would be working, that you would move them into a greater depth and a greater understanding of who they are as your son and as your daughter, and that they would live in a place of secure identity in you. So Father, I thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.